0: If you like what you hear today, please subscribe to our podcast and join us every month at SoundBites for more insights on understanding, managing, and thriving with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. My name is Corrine Pettit, and we're here today during National Depression Education and Awareness
1: Month to speak about the issues of depression, anxiety, and mental health in association with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. This issue is of such concern that mental health was added to the comorbidities guidelines published in February by the American Academy of Dermatology and the National Psoriasis Foundation. Joining me to help discuss the impact of mental health related to psoriatic disease is Dr. Richard Freed, who is the clinical director at Yardley Dermatology, Yardley Skin Enhancement and Wellness Center in Yardley, Pennsylvania. Dr. Freed is also a member of the National Psoriasis Foundation's medical board. Dr. Freed has a unique distinction of being both a dermatologist and a clinical psychologist. His compassionate experience in psychodermatology offers a distinctive look at what may be driving the connections with psoriasis and how to drive the mental health issues such as depression and anxiety. Welcome, Dr. Freed. Thank you so much for being on SoundBites today. Let's first talk about the American Academy of Dermatology and National Psoriasis Foundation's mental health guidelines that were included as part of the Psoriasis Comorbidities Guidelines. So what's the significance of this inclusion?
2: Thanks so much for having me. The mental health inclusion is dramatic for all of us at the front line. Mental health can account for something as simple as being happy and being functional in life, but we know in a greater picture, mental health accounts for not only our functional status, but a big part of our overall health and a big part of the health and happiness of the people around us. If we have physical health, our vital signs are good, our blood sugar is good, we're not being deranged by arthritis or cancer, but our mental health is poor, then the life that we live is dramatically diminished and the length of our life is often dramatically diminished. So if we're going to talk about being health care providers I believe it's our responsibility to try to make people as healthy physiologically as possible and as healthy mentally as possible. Without adequate mental health, when we do ask people to use a medication, to change their diet, to change their exercise habits, they often have difficulty doing that or it's impossible for them to do that. So mental health is essential, and mental health is what quality of life is very much about.
1: Those are all great points. So how strong is the association between psoriasis, psoriatic arthritis, depression, and anxiety? What's really behind the biology that drives this association?
2: You know, for the longest time, we've known that depression and anxiety are a big part of the world of psoriasis. We used to think it was as simple as psoriasis is difficult to live with. The physical demands of taking care of it, the physical sensations that often accompany it, whether it's itch, tingle, burning, pain. So we thought that, gee, crummy disease making me feel rotten. But now we know there's quite a bit more to the biology to it than that. Often it was thought that psoriasis was much like the old advertisement for Las Vegas. What happens there stays there. So we used to think the inflammation of psoriasis was limited to the skin. We now know that the inflammatory mediators, the cytokines, the neuropeptides that are released in the skin, causing psoriatic skin and symptoms, enter the circulation and actually cross into the central nervous system. And what they do centrally is they increase reuptake of neurotransmitters at the synapse. So actually, those inflammatory mediators suck down norepinephrine, serotonin, and dopamine. So physiologically, psoriasis sufferers have a reason to be anxious and depressed. So as psoriasis becomes more intrusive, people feel more sad and badly about their psoriasis. As we become centrally depleted, we feel sadder and worse which can exacerbate the psoriasis, and it becomes a very vicious round-robin cycle. So we are getting a more keen understanding about the associated anxiety and depression. And also, this information is very important in terms of what treatment decisions we make that may address the anxiety, depression, and inflammation all at once.
1: And so do you feel that social stigma is still a factor?
2: Social stigma is less than it used to be with mental health issues anxiety and depression are becoming more and more mainstream in their presentation we see more of it in the media we see more of it focused on within the school systems so thank goodness many people are feeling much more comfortable in being forthcoming about their anxiety and depression however cultural norms neighborhood norms individual families sometimes they're not so forgiving. And suck it up, be tough, tough guys, tough girls, don't talk about those kind of things. And what's the big deal? It's just psoriasis. And those kind of limiting and dismissive comments can really leave people very handcuffed and trapped. This is a condition where in its simplest form, it's an immune-related condition where your immune system instructs your skin To turn over more quickly than it should as a nine-year-old once showed me in a drawing she said i have extra happy skin so it makes more of itself
1: oh my gosh i love that and that
2: is what i want to convey not to make light of it not to dismiss its importance but to say that you were a person with psoriasis which makes you a person with a condition that you wish you didn't have but no less acceptable as a human being no less beautiful as a human being And those people who don't understand your psoriasis, if they want to be educated, explain it. It is overproduction of normal, healthy skin. Those people who are repulsed by it or don't want to understand, the heck with them. You don't need them in your world.
1: And that's a great point. So looking at incidents in reverse, is it possible depression may increase the possibility of developing psoriatic disease?
2: That is a very, very good question. The emerging way in which we look at depression in the mental health community, is beginning to be viewed as a disorder of inflammation. So we know that centrally, there are increased inflammatory markers in the brain in people who have depression. When there's inflammation in the brain, when there's information circulating about the body, the targets are endless. So there's no doubt that depression and perhaps anxiety may play a flamethrower role in creating more joint damage and more joint involvement. In addition, depression and anxiety often make people less adherent or compliant with their medication regimens, whether they're topical creams and lotions, whether it's ultraviolet light therapy, whether it's uh, biologic therapies. So Limited adherence to medication regimens leave joints, muscles, and other end organs less protected.
1: So studies are now indicating that bipolar disease, schizophrenia, and dementia may also be linked with psoriasis. Can you speak to why this may be the case?
2: As you know, this is an evolving area. And as we begin to realize that there is an increased incidence, just as you said, the question becomes... Does psoriasis serve as a trigger point, the final broken straw to unmask people who are genetically predisposed to bipolar, schizophrenia, or dementia? Or is this inflammation of psoriasis itself potentially causative? And I don't know that we know what it is at this point, and it's an area that needs to be studied. But whether it's a trigger point or whether it's a gradual, damaging, erosive issue, it does speak to the fact that earlier and better control may avoid or avert some of these newly discovered comorbidities.
1: So for those that have psoriatic disease who may not be aware of the signs and symptoms of anxiety and depression, can you please elaborate on what it may look like to seek professional help?
2: In the classic presentation, limited eye contact, avoidance of eye contact, loss of range or vibrancy in emotion. Speaking tends to be a very monotone type presentation, head down, eyes, gaze down, sometimes not moving a whole lot. Um, No expression with the hands, with the arms. Smiles tend to be sometimes absent or very strained if they try to. When you ask them about anything that, perhaps, maybe they have interest in, there's just no palpable enthusiasm. There's just an overall blah. With anxiety, it can be just a feeling of tenseness and tightness, where you feel like just getting a word out is like pushing through cement. Sometimes there's visible tremulousness. Sometimes there's a lot of the arms moving, feet tapping. Sometimes it's just a a sense that they just feel so stretched and you just feel like they could snap at any moment. And I don't mean snap in an aggressive or violent way, but just you feel this sense of tension and fragility. Sometimes people will be more forthcoming about it. They'll talk about palpitations. They'll talk about shallower shortness of breath. They'll talk about other concerns. Sometimes with anxiety, it manifests itself not as rapid heart rate, but rather obsessive worry. Could this mean that I have cancer? Could this mean that I have heart problems? I've read that this could be associated with diabetes and I lay awake thinking about the diabetes. So these kind of almost racing or intrusive thoughts, it can present in those fashions. But again, the absence of those clinical manifestations doesn't mean it's not there in their own private world. And I think the other thing is if somebody says, yeah, I'm really depressed. We are obligated to follow that with a quick question. Are you depressed to the point where you've had any thoughts of hurting yourself or anybody else? And if the answer is, oh, no, 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 that's not a guarantee, but fine. If the answer is a nod or a yes, the next question is, have you thought seriously about how you would do it? If the answer is a yes, they need imminent intervention, either in the form of getting family member involved, primary care doctor involved, suggesting that they even seek immediate evaluation in an emergency
1: room. So for our patients who may be listening to this podcast, if they're feeling those things, is there some place that they can call or what should they do?
2: Well, there are crisis hotlines. There are local mental health community centers. And when it's hot or imminent, there's the emergency room. Now, I think it's helpful for practices dermatology practices, old practices for that matter, to align themselves with a couple of mental health professionals in the community. Some may wear the hat of psychiatrists, some of psychologists, some of nurse practitioner, PA, some of social workers. People who have a real strong interest in psoriasis and knowledge about psoriasis. And our labeling or euphemism for them are skin emotion specialists. These are people who uniquely understand what living with skin disease is about. So if I feel somebody needs a referral, I'll often say, you know, Dr. Susie Jones, she's in the community. She's wonderful. She's worked with so many of our patients, been so helpful. And those referrals are wonderful. Again, unless you have a sense that there's real imminent danger for the patient.
1: So will treating psoriatic disease elicit an impact on the degree of depression and anxiety patients may be experiencing? And if so, what types of treatments have the biggest effect?
2: Probably the treatments that had the biggest effect are number one, day one, hope and a promise of commitment on our part to get them as better as possible. Number two, set expectations in terms of how long it will take. And according to what the therapy is, that could be a matter of weeks or it could be a matter of months. Next thing, understanding that for some people, Just getting a little bit better may be dramatically, dramatically effective in improving their mood. They may not need clearance. They may need just get me a little bit better so A, it doesn't show as much and B, I know it's not going to get as bad. Self-talk, the most popular psychological treatment throughout the globe for the treatment of anxiety and depression is cognitive behavioral psychotherapy or CBT or with a a variant of that called Dialectic Cognitive Behavioral Psychology or Therapy. And the whole premise is that our emotions are more a product of what we tell ourselves about our life situation than necessarily the life situation itself. The classic example of CBT is being home alone at 4 o'clock in the morning and hearing a crash near the front door, saying, oh my God, somebody just broke into the house. Instantaneously, my heart rate goes from 50 or 60 to 140 to 160. My breathing becomes racket. My blood is shunted to the muscles and bones do fight or flight. My pupils widely dilate. It is a big deal. Fight or flight reaction. That's scenario number one. In contrast, scenario number two, I'm sound asleep at four in the morning. Hear the exact same crash by the front door. But I have a cat and think the cat just knocked over the lamp. You roll over and go back to sleep. Same event, but what we tell ourselves about that event determines our physiologic and emotional response. So if the self talk regarding psoriasis is this is catastrophic. This is the worst thing that can befall a human being. This is ruined and is going to ruin every chance I have for love, for marriage, for success. I hate myself, I hate my life. I'm gonna be pretty anxious and miserable. If the self-talk is, I really dislike the psoriasis. I'm angry at my psoriasis. I'm angry at life sometimes. But in comparison to having systemic cancer, Two legs amputated Lou Gehrig's disease This is not in the same arena So I very much want this to get better And don't want to torment myself at This much in the process The physiologic and emotional response Is likely to be less We're not changing the reality We're interpreting the reality In a more healthful fashion But I think all this has to be couched with a good game plan. That, Mrs. Jones, I want your skin to feel better. I want you to feel better. And we have the tools to do both.
1: Well, and with this, does psoriasis treatments impact what's going on biologically in the brain?
2: There's no question. When it comes to things like ultraviolet light therapy, we know ultraviolet light therapy in its own right has antidepressant effects uh, processed through the pineal gland and other parts of the brain. We know that simply improving skin sensation, even with things as simple as topical hydrocortisone preparations, topical calcipitrione preparations, combinations, certainly we know with biologic agents, we're decreasing inflammation. There are fewer of those inflammatory mediators crossing into the brain. Therefore, they're not sucking down neurotransmitters. So, yes, we're doing it from a physical sensation, from a visual point of view. When I look down, I see less impressive psoriasis, so my skin looks, in quotes, more normal, feels better, looks better, and then chemically internally. So there's no question we are biologically doing things that decrease anxiety and depression.
1: Great. So that kind of ties in with the treat to target that we hear a lot about, where treating to target is just not important for your skin, but also for your mental well-being.
2: Absolutely. And often people don't know how badly they felt until they don't feel so badly. And that's not only anxiety and depression, that's energy level. Inflammatory conditions usurp a lot of energy. It's exhausting. Think about how much more work it takes for the body to make skin two to three times faster than it should. So people often feel much more energy. And if I feel lack of energy, I feel blah. And my brain starts to wonder, why do I feel so blah? There must be something terribly wrong. As the energy starts to improve, there's a tremendous sense of relief that I guess I'm not dying. So I'm feeling more like me so I can start to behave more like me. And I can get back perhaps to exercising, which will make me feel more like me. So just as the bad begets bad and sad, the good often begets good and happier.
1: It's a positive domino effect.
2: Yes, yes. So
1: in addition to medication, what other treatment strategies or therapies could be helpful to address depression and anxiety for those with psoriasis? Meditative interventions.
2: Meditative interventions can be very, very helpful. John Kabat-Zinn, that's K-A-B-A-T-Z-I-N-N, is the father of mindfulness meditation. He's written any number of books on mindfulness. You cannot go to a major medical center here or abroad and doesn't incorporate mindfulness meditation into medical treatments. Mindfulness meditation is not a voodoo, far east, far west. It's a breathwork and Acceptance. And anyone can do it, and anyone can do it well. There are several studies that have shown that utilizing mindfulness meditation while people are receiving ultraviolet light therapy for the treatment of psoriasis decreases the amount of UV therapy necessary to improve or clear psoriasis. So we know it's not just in your head. There's a great quote from a psychiatrist at Harvard by the name of Spiegel it's not just mind over matter. It's that mind really matters. So, the mindfulness, number one, in its own right, tends to decrease levels of anxiety. It's been shown to help depression. It makes us feel more centered. It makes us feel more in control. As a psychologist, I am a control freak. I don't want to control anyone. I want to sell it and give it. Because as human beings, the more in control we feel of our body and our minds, the less likely we are to be depressed and anxious. The less in control we feel, just the opposite, the more likely we are to suffer depression and anxiety. So meditative techniques both improve our physiology and our sense of control. They do not take a long time. This can be minutes a day. If you go to John Cobbett's Inn, you'll see there are simple podcasts you can watch or things you can download. There are many other proprietary meditative programs. I think that everyone on the planet should at least do some breathing techniques and some basic meditation. It would be a friendlier, warmer, healthier place.
1: Yeah, there's a million apps out there too. Right. Does it matter what time of day you do meditation?
2: It does not seem to. And all the different meditative techniques all seem to lead to the final common pathway of improved mood and physiology.
1: And there's no risk factors or side effects. Exactly. So how important is it to open up about feelings or mood swings to a healthcare provider?
2: I think it's very important to have a brief sounding board to make sure that what I'm feeling is not unhealthy. So if I say to my healthcare provider, you know, I'm feeling irritable. And my first question would be, Is that irritability a big departure from your norm? Nah, it's the same thing. It's either um, mid-cycle, premenstrual, for the male. Nah, it's just when I'm feeling stupid or whatever. And it's not accompanied by any thoughts or activities that are harmful, i.e., physical aggression, i.e., drug or alcohol abuse. So I think sharing that with a clinician can give you a sigh of relief. If you say with a clinician, you know, I've been really down in the dumps lately It's important that they just ask you a couple of key questions So they can gauge and you can gauge whether this needs an additional intervention Or if you say, you know, I've been having very intrusive thoughts and pretty significant mood swings Important to know because that can be sometimes just part of the normal continuum Or sometimes, if it's a little further down the spectrum it may be something that needs to be addressed either looking at thyroid, looking at other uh, metabolic things, or sometimes with medications. Because when the mood swings start to become more extreme than is healthy, that can predispose us to behaviors that can be self or other injurious and can also predispose us sometimes to having difficulties in functioning for ourselves, for our family.
1: What final advice can you offer to someone if they are experiencing any of these issues we've discussed today?
2: Final advice is that if you're dealing with psoriasis and you're very pleased with how the skin is doing and you feel like you, as the you, you've always been, stay the course. However, if you're dealing with psoriasis and your skin doesn't seem right, doesn't feel right, you're not right and feeling right. Seek evaluation, seek additional treatment. If you're comfortable with the clinician that you're going to, fantastic. If you're not, move on. Move on to somebody that you feel you click with. I think a therapeutic relationship is often very much like dating. If you think back to high school years, there, was, uh, there may have been a girl or a guy that two of your friends were gaga over. And you thought to yourself, if that's the last person on this planet, not for me. I think a therapeutic relationship is often the same. You're human beings. If you feel that you click, they care. You can relate. Great. If not, move on. And seek out information from places like the National Psoriasis Foundation. And they have wonderful, wonderful resources written, audio, and referrals within your area. And don't give up hope because at nobody who's psoriasis, we can't get well-controlled and easy to move forward with your life.
1: Fantastic. Thank you so much, Dr. Freed, for being on SoundBites today. We really appreciate your insights on psoriasis, depression, anxiety, and how to treat such related health conditions.
2: Thanks so much for having me.
1: If you or loved ones are experiencing signs or symptoms of depression or anxiety and need to speak with a therapist, psychologist, or social worker who specializes in this area, you can search for a therapist near you using the directory provided by Psychology Today at www.psychologytoday.com forward slash US. If you are experiencing thoughts of suicide, please contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 for 24-7 support now. If you're in need of information to help manage your disease or need help finding a provider, contact our Patient Navigation Center at 1-800-723-9166
0: or by email at education at psoriasis.org. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Sound Bites for people with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. If you or someone you love has ever struggled with psoriatic disease, our hope is that through this series, you'll gain information to help you lead a healthier life and inspire you to look to the future. Please join us in a couple weeks for another inspiring podcast. You can find this or all future episodes of Soundbites on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and the National Psoriasis Foundation webpage.